Hi, I'm Cece, and welcome to the Barry Dyers Podcast, where we share our most intimate insecurities, bariatric stories, and battle with obesity. So grab a cup of inspiration with me as we figure out life, host up, together. We are so excited to announce that ProCare Health is sponsoring the Berry Diaries podcast and all of our 2022 events. ProCare Health wants to tackle some of the stigmas of bariatric surgery. For example, one of the toughest part of being a bariatric patient is making sure we are getting in all those vitamins and checking in with our doctor to see if we actually achieve proper absorption. ProCare Health is specially formulated for bariatric patients and know what our bodies need. Not only do they take out the guesswork and make it easy for us to achieve our vitamin goals, but they also give us vitamins that taste like dessert. Win, win, and they're easily digestible. Did I mention dark chocolate squares and cinnamon rolls? Give them a try. Use code BERRYPOD to save at ProCareNow.com. Today we have a special guest. It's Dr. A. Joseph Cribbins III. He's a bariatric surgeon here in Texas. He's with the Texas Center for Bariatrics and Advanced Surgery. We're so excited to have you on, Dr. Cribbins. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Appreciate you. I was looking on your page. Tuesdays and Fridays, Marty works. He works at the office. Yes, it's funny. That's a super common question if actually Martin does work in the office and, and he does. He actually loves coming to the office. All the office ladies enjoy having him and all the patients enjoy having him. And, you know, he'll um, hang out with all the kids and people in their room. He'll kind of walk back and forth with people. It's, it's really kind of fun. It's so cute. And it even says on here, please request Marty if you would like to see him. That's so cute. So when I go to my appointment, revision appointment, I would like Marty to be there. Okay. I will mark you down. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's funny because he really does like his own thing. Like he'll just sort of, sometimes he's napping, he'll be in a patient room, he'll be in the, you know, the waiting room. So it's, he, you can miss him if you're not looking for him, but yeah, we'll bring him right to you. No troubles. Oh my gosh. Okay. So tell me about you. When was the first time you heard of bariatric surgery? Okay. Um, well, that goes back a bit. Um, well, certainly in medical school, I heard of weight loss surgery. It was not a common procedure um, that far back in the, you know, in the nineties. Um, and then when I was at Northwestern in Chicago from 95 to 2000 in my residency program, a surgeon named Dr. Prostowski started doing open gastric bypasses there. So that's when I was first sort of introduced uh, to weight loss surgery. Um, and the funny thing about your residency, you know a lot about when the patient hits the door of the hospital till the patient leaves the hospital, but you don't really know a whole lot about what goes on before then or after then. Um, but that's when I first started doing my, my weight loss surgery is in residency. And then I continued it when I came down here to Dallas and started my own practice and just continued to love it ever since. How did you get started with the Da Vinci robotic system? Can you talk more about that and tell, tell us what that is and what that entails? Sure. So the Da Vinci system is a robotic system that assists us in surgery. I started with the Da Vinci SI, which is an older system back in 2012. And I used to do lots of general surgery with it, um, Nissen fund applications for reflux, gallbladder operations, that sort of thing. Um, and then some years ago, they came out with new tools that were specifically designed for weight loss surgery. Um, you know, special staplers, energy devices, things like that, that were built specifically to operate on the stomach. And so that's when I sort of really picked back up with it. Um, and it's a, it's a very special system. It basically, it's a, it's a system that hooks up to the trocars on the patient and you're able to use the robot from a side table to have very precise sort of movements that are wristed. Um, the other things that are nice about it is the 
vision is extremely high definition. You're able to kind of zoom in and zoom out. Uh, you can make a penny as, you know, as big as a saucer if you wanted to look at something that closely. Um, and the stapler that it uses is just a, an extremely kind of robust and safe stapler to use. It does tons of these little calculations, thousands a second as it's forming the staple line and cutting the tissue that just make it an extremely safe way um, to perform the surgeries. And from the patient upside, it's actually very interesting in the way that the arms work. It, uh, it torques less on the abdominal wall. Um, so the patient has less pain afterwards and mm -hmm. the recovery is faster. Uh, you don't need to use as, as many narcotics afterwards, which cuts back on a lot of side effects that they can have. It's really a fantastic way to do the surgery. And, you know, I love it. I, I'm pretty much hundred percent exclusive Da Vinci at this point. The only knowledge I have is just a regular, they're literally doing the surgery, but it's like backwards. They have to learn how to work or see it different, like in a mirror or something. Yeah, that, that can be true. Um, like when, when you're using regular laparoscopic instruments, if you move your hand up, the instrument goes down. If you move your hand to the left, you, the instrument goes right. And oh, that okay. can be especially a, a little bit confusing when you're working behind yourself the other way. You know, things can be kind of like topsy-turvy in a mirror. So it, it, it does take a lot of use to um, to be able to, a lot of skill to operate laparoscopically. Um, so yeah, um, the Da Vinci just sort of simplifies that some of this for us. Yeah. What's the weirdest thing you found in a person? <laughs> What's the weirdest thing you've seen? I'm one of those people. My husband went to the ear doctor to get his ears clean. Uh -huh. And I'm one of those people ask like, what's the weirdest thing you <laughs> see? Like, I want to know, like, I like watching Dr. Pimple Popper. That's me. That's uh, a very popular show with my children, for sure. <laughs> I don't know. Weirdest thing I've seen. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like super weird. It's, it, it's really, it's very rare that you, that you go in for a surgery and find something that you're not expecting. Um, sometimes you will, you can though, you know, a big fibroid, something on someone's liver or someone's pancreas, but that's pretty uncommon. Oh. So what's the biggest stomach you've pulled out of somebody? So what's the biggest stomach you've ever gotten? Have you ever been like shocked that like this thing is, <laughs> and then you like fill it up afterwards and it's like huge. Yeah, about about as big as you're showing right there, actually. Oh wow, like that big. Yeah, they can get pretty big sometimes. And it's and holy it's cow. So people always like to know what their stomach weighs after we take it out. And uh -huh. it, it's really all that much. It's about four to six ounces. That's like a common thing that people like to know. Well, um, I think that's a weight thing because we're always thinking about losing weight. If somebody's going to remove something out of me, I want to know how much it weighs so I can think afterwards, I lost two pounds today. Like, I, you know, like I want a number. Yeah. We're weird that way. <laughs> so it weighs like three or four ounces. You said that's it. Two or three ounces. Yeah. About four to six ounces, something like that. Oh, that's no fun. But when you <laughs> blow it up, when you blow it up, does it get like really huge? Yeah, it can. It can get up to like football size and stomach size. It, it, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of people's stomach. It, it's like feet. You know, some people have small ones. Some people have really big ones. Um, that really doesn't have a whole lot to do with someone's weight. You know, there's different factors that really are important than that. But uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen some pretty big stomachs in my time. That's for sure. <laughs> have you seen like a really tiny, tiny stomach? And you're like, what the heck is it? Like a, some weird or weird shaped stomach? They're shaped similarly, but not everyone's the same. Some stomachs are kind of more, you know, vertical up and down. Some have a more horizontal configuration. Some are, um, you know, sort of more of a C shape and some are less. And that's one of the nice things about the robot is you have the angles of all your instruments. and You can kind of go in there. Do what you need to do perfectly to kind of get the result that you yeah. That you um, I have operated on a couple people with situs inversus over the years, which is basically everything on the inside of the abdomen is, is on the other side. So your gallbladder is on your left side instead of your right side, and things can get a little bit funky in there. Wow, how does that happen? It just... 
yeah, it just, uh, it's like a, things just don't rotate the way that they should in utero. So it just turns out different. And so, yeah, those can be like super interesting operations, actually. Not, not super common, but very interesting. I sent you my x-rays because I thought they left a, a metal clip inside of me, like a pin inside of me, a plate inside of me. I was like literally terrified. And I found out it was, it was my bra. Okay. <laughs> it, it was a lace, it was a lace bra. So it didn't have any straps or anything, yeah. but on the back, there was a tiny little plate yeah. that had Victoria's secret. And I was like, Oh my God, there's nothing inside of me, but I did see my stomach. Did, did you get a chance to look at my stomach? So mine's like V shaped, I think. Yeah. It's a little bit of a V shaped kind of stomach. It sort of kind of goes like this. Um, was it got- pretty? Was it a pretty stomach? It's a very pretty stomach, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. The bra was my first guest, though, as you recall. Yeah, that's the first thing you said. Did you have your bra on? And I was like, no, it was. I remember it because they took everything off, but it was after they had did it. But I thought it was before they did the scan. That was all me. I went in for my EDG and they. Uh, he said the same thing. He was like, what is that? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. There's something inside of me. I don't know. So my stomach looked really big. Was it big? No, it doesn't look particularly big. It looks like a, like a normal sleeve size for how far you are from surgery. Okay. So my question is, do you have VSG people who go to other surgeons and, and it not, and it fails, like they don't lose the weight or it sort of fails and then they come to you and then you go in to do a revision and then you find out that the doctor didn't take 80%. Do doctors always take 80%? Because when I went in for my surgery, I told him, make sure you take the maximum amount. But sometimes I wonder, do, do, they, do they really take out the 80%? Well, interesting. 80%, that's the number that we all sort of use. But, it, it, but it's fairly approximate because you have, you know, some people have those big stomachs and some people have the smaller stomachs. And what we do is we put a special sizer called a, a bougie or a visage down along one of the sides of the of the stomach and then we sort of use that as a template to kind of resect along that so even if someone has a a big stomach or a small stomach they're sort of left with the same stomach after the operation so sometimes that's 50 percent, sometimes that's 90 percent. it tends to sort of vary um but 80 percent is about about the average for that and why people sometimes don't do well with weight loss surgery, there's usually kind of a combination of, of factors. You know, there's, there's surgery factors uh, where things not tight enough at the beginning or some of the posterior stomach was, was left behind. Uh, that can be an issue because it can balloon out with some time. Occasionally, I do find things like that. And then there's also sort of those, you know, those patient factors, you know. Uh, is the patient following up with their surgeon or they're getting the protein or they're doing their exercise, getting their vitamins, kind of following all the rules of the procedure. And it's usually a combination of those two factors that um, is sort of inhibiting them from being super successful. And that's, that's part of what we talk about in the office is, you know, how much of that is a surgery factor and how much of that is, is patient factors. And if we're thinking about a revision surgery, we usually try and work on both of those things at the same time. It's scary to think you have to go back in and then, so if you went back in and I had that extra tissue or do you kind of go back in there and clean up the other surgeons work and then do the ruin why? Yeah. Well, whenever you have surgery on the inside, you can always form some adhesions. Um, and what adhesions are is basically when the tissue sort of heals, they can sort of stick to other tissues that are in the area. So you have to kind of sort all of that out and, and to get the stomach to the place where you can do the work that you need to do, whether you're doing a re-sleeve or converting to a gastric bypass, you have to do a fair amount of work to sort that out before you can actually start the procedure. So at what point do you know, should a bariatric patient know that their surgery has failed? think that there's a specific point to that. I mean, I think it really goes back to, you know, those, 
those patient factors and the surgery factors. I mean, I've had people who would, would struggle after a procedure for six to nine months, you know, even a year because of patient factors. And then, you know, we sort those out and they start following the rules and then from there on do really, really well. Um, so it, it really so depends. So what's, what's, what's patient factors? Like they're not drinking enough water? Like, what do you, what do you mean? I mean, eating the right foods in the right amounts at the right times, getting the protein in, getting their exercise, things like that. All the things we have a hard time with. <laughs> the exercise, the water. It's not easy, you it's know? It's not, no. So many patient factors that, you know, contribute to the success. The hardest thing is getting in the water and the protein. And I've always struggled for some reason. I never had a problem drinking water before, but after surgery, you know, you can't chug water. I mean, that's just not, you can't do that. The taste of water just, I didn't like it. Like I had a hard time drinking water afterwards and it was really weird to me. And my husband's like, you need to drink your water. And it just was gross. And if I tried to put those sweeteners or crystal light or whatever all those things on the market that you can put in your drinks that didn't help either it just made it overly sweet and I still couldn't drink it and so I found Tremino water mm -hmm. um to me that one has no aftertaste no chalky taste no fake sugar taste I try to drink like three or four of those a day I keep them with me all the time yeah, those are those are good. We give out a lot of samples of those um, in the office. Patients really seem to like them. It has a little bit less protein than some of the other brands of protein that are out mm -hmm. there. It is more tolerable from a taste standpoint for that reason. It doesn't have that sort of like protein flavor to it. You so said it. Yeah. Good, yeah, it's a good option for a lot of patients. Yeah, I absolutely love it. It's my favorite. So I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of sad that I have to get a revision surgery still feel like I failed. And I know there's nothing I can do because when I eat and I start to throw up or, you know, it comes up, I know there's nothing I can do. And it took me so long to tell anybody. I talk about it on the podcast all the time, but I didn't tell my doctors. I mean, I did early on and they gave me their acid reflux medicine, which didn't help. And, um, but I felt like it was my fault because I felt like I was chewing too, not chewing enough. Mm-hmm. I was eating too much mm -hmm. um, or I was eating the wrong things and my body didn't like it anymore. Was with that for sure. But sometimes there's just anatomic factors as well that are, you know, not patient controlled. But I'm kind of excited to do it again because I think I would, I would do a lot of things different. Yeah. I think as a pre-op patient, fresh post-op patient, I think we all just want to get through that soft food stage and fluid stage and soft food stage and get to the food stage we want to just rush through it like hurry up and get through it and a lot of us sort of cheat those timelines and we 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 sort of beat it get there sooner and I think this time around I don't think I want to do that I I think now that I know our body needs time and so I'm excited to do it again and just really appreciate that slow healing process yeah no, the body does take its time to heal. And that's why it's important for everybody to follow surgery recommendations for diets and things like that. Just mm -hmm. because you tend to get in a little bit of trouble sometimes if you, if you don't. I feel you. I, I feel like I've, I just had a tough time. I've always had a tough time since I started solid foods. So, yeah. yeah. Do you have any advice or tips or anything that you want to, for a pre-op patient or, or like an early post-op patient, or even just a pre-op patient looking to have bariatric surgery on how to choose the right surgeon? Sure. Um, there, there's lots of good ways to find a surgeon. Um, I mean, most patients find their surgeon through friends and families and coworkers that have gone through a program and had a good experience or having success with it. And sort of that like firsthand knowledge of how things are going to be can be like super important. Um, and then certainly, you know, there's, there's uh, the internet where you can do a whole ton of research. Um, there's the, our big society, the American Society for Bariatric and Metabolic Surgery. You can go to their website and do some research on some people to find somebody. 
Um, and then just to go in and have a consultation and to just be comfortable with that person, you know, uh, get along with them, um, get your questions answered, uh, you know, the, you and the staff get along well, because weight loss surgery, it, it's interesting. It's not like, you know, other surgeries that, that we do, you know, a gallbladder surgery or an appendix, you may see that person one, two, maybe three times. Mm -hmm. Surgery, it's really much more of a, of a marriage because we have a lot more interaction with our patients and for a much, much longer time. So just being comfortable with your surgeon um, is super important in bariatric surgery. I'm pretty sure I, I told you about mine, but I had a hernia mm -hmm. and I went to the emergency room because my stomach was hurting so bad and like, well, not even my stomach, my back, which was yeah. weird. My back was hurting so bad. And I went into the emergency room and he referred me to a, a surgeon to fix the hernia, but the mm -hmm. surgeon was also a bariatric surgeon and my BMI was over 35. It was like 35.8 or something, but I'm 4'11". So, I mean, you know, it doesn't take much and I'm, you know, <laughs> and it, <laughs> yeah. And then, but I think a lot of people and, and, and I want it, whoever's hearing this, I want to admonish you that when you have a doctor tell you, Hey, you qualify you, we can get you qualified for bariatric surgery. Don't just take the first doctor that you get, like really shop around for a doctor, because it's just like what, what, what you said, Dr. Joe was it's a marriage. It yeah. really is. And I think if you just jump for the first doctor, I jumped when they told me, Hey, we can, you can get bariatric surgery. I was like, okay. <laughs> and I just, and I wish I could have just taken a step back and said, and realized that this is more of a commitment than just a procedure bariatric surgery is not that kind of surgery. I wish I would have searched around more and just really got out there and really looked for a doctor and found the perfect fit for me. And also the doctor that I went to only did VSG surgeries, like nothing else. And so I didn't even have the other things as an option. And I wish I would have at least had them on the table and said, you know, which one do you suggest? Sometimes it works out great. And sometimes you're in that 5% and I'm, I'm in that 5% that it just did not work out for me. Yeah. You know? Very yeah. True. How many patients have you had that were in that 5% that had issues that needed a revision? Oh, well, I've done so many surgeries, probably over 15,000 over all the years. So by number, it's probably a fair number. By percentage, it's probably a pretty small percentage. But yeah, occasionally there's patients who develop that reflux after a sleeve and need some sort of revision procedure to, you know, to help fix that. Here's another, here's a stupid question, because it took me a long time to figure this out, because I would hear people say, VSG, bypass, and ruin why. And so I thought bypass and ruin why were two different procedures, but they're not. Yeah, no, they're the same procedure. All these procedures tend to have like a million different names to them. For I know. So how yeah. many procedures are there? Oh, if you added them all up, many, many different types of procedures. I mean, you have sort of your standard procedures would be, you know, your sleeve, your, your standard gastric bypass, your long limb bypass, your, your lap bands, um, the duodenal switch is a, is a standard procedure. And then you have many, many different sort of variations on all of those procedures. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So it took me a long time to figure out that bypass ruin Y was the same procedure. Yep. Exact same. Have you ever had anybody need the revision from sleeve to, to the ruin Y and it did not fix the problems of the acid reflux or GERD? That would be pretty uncommon, honestly. Okay. Cause be I was talking to the EDG guy when I went in for my EDG, he was trying to sell me on more medicine, I think. <laughs> trying more stuff. He said, can I prescribe something else for you? Can we try something else? Can we try this? Or have you tried other things? And I was like, I'd really like to try the ruin. Why? I think it would be a good fit just to, because I'm hoping it just like 
light or light and day, it just goes away. You know what I mean? Like a total different. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Most people usually, um, you know, notice the relief pretty quickly right after surgery um, with that revision. Um, but yeah, it doesn't burn any bridges. That's not, it's not the wrong thing to try different sort of medications and, and alternate treatments like that. It doesn't burn any bridges before you commit to a, some sort of revision. Well, have you followed the TRICARE yet for my surgery? <laughs> I believe we have. I don't know if we've heard back yet, but I know that. Uh, that oh, good. Submitting. That was last week sometime on something like that. Yeah, I'm so excited. I, I don't know when I'll fit it in, but I will fit it in. We will get it. <laughs> I can't do it till the end of March. Like I'm totally booked. I'm so excited. There's so many patients out there. I think that, and it's kind of sad because on the podcast, I talk to everybody and they're talking about their surgeries and it goes good. And I'm like, you know, here I am. I have a hard time eating. It's just not working out for me. And it's, I am eight months out. Mm -hmm. Should I be eating a regular plate of food now? with like broccoli or a side? Not, not everybody at eight months out can. I mean, certainly, you know, eat the protein first. Um, you know, the easier things to eat. Fishes are usually pretty easy. Uh, sushi, tender chickens, uh, things like ground beef or red meat are gonna be tougher right now, mm. but the portion sizes are still gonna be pretty small. I mean, it may be just, you know, two or three ounces of uh, protein and maybe a little bit of starch or a little bit of fiber on the side. And um, vegetables like that, especially the uncooked vegetables, can be harder to eat. And that can last for a long time. I can't eat any sides. I can barely. The, the only thing saving my life is real good foods because I think it's in a really small portion. It looks yeah. like a really small portion, but it's the perfect size portion because yeah. like we can't eat a lot. And so I think and I don't waste food because I think bariatric patients, we waste a lot of food. So tell me about your practice. I know you just, you just hired on a partner. Yeah. Well, there's, there's two of us here now. Um, so there's me and I'm a weight loss surgeon. And then we also have um, Dr. Khalil, Dr. K. He is a bariatrician. So basically what he is, is a medical weight loss specialist. So he's double boarded in both internal medicine and in um, the medical management of obesity. And that's kind of a very nice thing to have in a practice because, you know, we, we sort of view that problem and fight that problem from two slightly different um, viewpoints. And it's nice when you can put those two viewpoints together, you can get a lot of success with, uh, with the surgery that way. What does he do exactly? So he's Basically, a bariatrician, he's a medical weight loss specialist. So he dives deep into things like nutrition and metabolism, hormones. He does uh, medications for weight loss, different programs like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause hormones is, cause I'm old. I'm, I'm, I'm 50 years old. And so <laughs> when I had this surgery, it just, my estrogen and progesterone just tanked, gone. I couldn't sleep. I didn't realize, you don't realize the effects on your body whenever you have these problems, but I couldn't sleep and I was had all these issues. And so I had to get supplements for that. I have to take estrogen and progesterone and I don't know when it's going to kick in again. Yeah. I don't yeah, that sorts of stuff. Wow. That's freaking amazing. I, I would love that. You're redoing your whole office. Tell me about that. We are actually, it's pretty exciting. It's going to be a few months uh, till that's done, but mm -hmm. we're moving out of our space because we've really kind of outgrown it over the last couple of years. Um, and we're moving down the hall is the plan. So it's going to be a really nice space. It's going to, um, very nice waiting room, um, super comfortable patient rooms, lots of space for photo rooms, procedure rooms. Um, we're very excited that we're going to have a, a private scale room for patients so they can go in and in private, um, which we think is super important in our current. I like that. Yeah. Space for that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be great. We're really excited about it. No, I'm excited. Does Marty get a raise and does Marty get a partnership uh, status? <laughs> Marty is 
currently basically everyone's boss at this point. He is. Yeah. I was telling your wife, there was a picture of her and her friend. It was like, I don't know where they were, but they were sitting at a bar and Marty had his little paws on the counter. Mm. And I told her, I said, there is no way, Heather, that that dog does not know he is a star. He knows. <laughs> you see his pictures. He knows. Oh, it's picture time. And he's got that look. You know, it's super funny. He loves his photo taken. Even when you're not trying to take a photo with him in it, he'll like weasel his way over to be in the photo. It's crazy. I know. Yeah, he is something else. Is he there? No, he's not here right now. Oh, man. Dr. Joe, I'm disappointed. I was hoping I get to see Marty. But he will be at our, on March the 24th, we're doing an event in Dallas. Yes, we are. And he will definitely be there. He's going to co-host. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Heather has some headphones for him. Some little headphones. She's going to take a picture of it. And I'm going to put it on my Instagram. She said oh. she has it in her office. <laughs> some little headphones. Like a little mic. <laughs> little headphones. The guy does have a lot of outfits. I know. I, I saw that. He's so cute. I talked to Heather and she said she's going to, um, we're going to, we're going to let him co-host. Excellent. Can he you bark on demand? It, uh, no, it's funny because he's super quiet at the office and out in public. He's just like the office has never really heard him bark. Not a one time. He's just very, very chill at home with the other dogs. Cause you know, we have four dogs. We've got, uh, a husky and two German shepherds. He's a beast. He's like super barky with them, but he'll be super chill at this event. But if he barks, that'd be so cute. <laughs> I bet he's so cute. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Oh, I don't know. Nothing comes to mind right now. Come on, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> when does a patient need to go and call her doctor? What signs do you have that? you need to call your doctor, like something's happening? Well, I think one of the, one of the big things that I always say that's important for, for long-term success in general is a patient following up with their surgeon um, and their physician. Um, that's really one of the big keys. Protein, exercise, eating right, vitamins, and following up with your surgeon. Because if someone starts falling off track or something's going a little bit wrong, um, you should never be scared to go back and talk to your surgeon and, and try sorting that out. Um, I mean, early in the post-op period, um, big, big things to give your surgeon a call about. Fever is probably the biggest one. Um, and then second to that would be some, some sort of pain that just does not feel like normal post-operative surgical pain would be a, something to definitely call your, your surgeon about. Wow. Like your incisions are bleeding? Yeah, that would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're bleeding. Call your surgeon for sure. <laughs> if, there's, if there's pus coming out of your incisions. <laughs> If it smells weird, yes. go to your doctor. <laughs> All good things to let us know about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so have you ever had somebody that right after surgery, you had to take them back in again because something happened? Sometimes you hear about those kinds of surgeries. Like they have surgery and they get out and then they give them that swallow test or whatever. And then they're like, oh, we got to go back in. Uh, super, super, super uncommon. I mean, definitely I've had that happen to me. Um, things that you'd be concerned about right after surgery would be the leak thing that you're talking about. Those things are super rare, but in 23 years, I have had a couple um, that have gone back to the operating room. And then bleeding would be um, a little bit more common than that. Um, but usually some post-operative bleeding, people actually tolerate that pretty well and don't need an operation, but that could be another thing that you take someone back to the operating room for. Okay, here's a question. And these are all selfish questions because these are just questions I'm thinking about for me. <laughs> Is How much weight, if you had a VSG surgery, how much weight should you expect to lose as compared to like a bypass ruin Y? Fairly similar, to be honest. Both Probably. of those procedures uh, will lose, on average, somewhere between 60 and 70% of their excess weight. 
So if I was one, say 180 when I had surgery, mm-hmm. how much should I, what number is my goal? Okay, your average goal, here, let me do it. I'm just I'm curious. Get your, get your medical tool. Okay, so one, <laughs> um, good for everything. Yeah. I'm like 139 right now. And I feel like I need, I should lose 20 more pounds, but I don't know. Yeah. So you were 85 pounds over your ideal body weight. So. Oops. Wait, my ideal, what, what was my ideal body weight? 95 pounds? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. And that's because I'm 4'11". 95 pounds just, I'm going to be like a little fifth grade boy. So you, um. 51 pounds would be 60%. So you're just about there. And the funny thing about ideal body weight, people make a a big deal about that, especially when we talk about it, like in the office, like this is your ideal body weight. This is what you weigh. This is an expected weight loss goal, um, that sort of thing. Um, The ideal body weight numbers go back to 1922 in the Metropolitan Life Insurance Mm. Company. And, you know, things have changed so much. Like all my kids are, you know, three inches taller than me in one generation. Ideal body weight just doesn't work for everyone. Um, So it's mostly a number that we use to sort of calculate our other numbers. So ideal body weight in general, that's really never a good goal to shoot for with weight loss surgery. Okay. So I'm, I'm probably not going to get to 95 pounds. No. I've had three kids. I'm 50 years old. (laughs) I think you're at a very good weight. I'm, I'm like 139. Yeah. And I honestly, I think I have like 10 pounds of skin. Uh, you know, a lot of our numbers when we ha- have bariatric surgery, it's like, oh, this is where I'm at now. But if you account for all that skin we have, I probably have 10 pounds of skin, which makes me like 128. Yeah, certainly could be people who go back for the, the, the skin surgery, you know, abdominoplasty, breast, arms, legs, things like that. Um, they, they weigh all of that tissue afterwards and yeah, 10 or 12 pounds is not an unreasonable. Because I am getting a royal lower body lift in May. Okay. So I'm super excited. <laughs> I'm kind of <laughs> scared, but I just think I have a lot of skin. I think that's the biggest thing when we, when people lose weight is you need to have bariatric surgery and you do it to live, right? And to be healthy. And we get your BMI down and you move more, you exercise more. But mm-hmm. some of us are just, you know, we've just been through more in our life or we're older and that skin does not bounce back for some of us. It just does not. Yeah. And there's a lot of genetic factors. There's how much weight you're losing. There's how much exercise that you do. And then there's just a lot of, uh, you know, sort of genetic factors, how springy the skin is. I mean, most people after surgery, you know, they're super pleased with how they look and how they feel that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, people go back and, and have the skin surgery afterwards. That's not, that's not uncommon. Yeah, I think that the skin is just, it's really hard. So you said 51 pounds. So 79, 69, 59, 49, 39, 29. Yeah. So that's 129. Yeah. Which is right about where you're probably at. I'm at 139. So that's 10 pounds. Oh, wow. So I'm there. You're there. I know, but that body dysmorphia, you know, I don't feel like I've lost any weight. Yeah. No, that, that's like, not that's uncommon. Um, yeah, and, and, and it's when, when people look in themselves in the, in the mirror down the road after weight loss surgery, sometimes they don't see a lot of difference, but they'll notice a lot of difference, you know, when they're trying on clothes. That's a big thing. You know, I was this size in this dress or this pair of pants or whatever, and now I'm this size. And so it's a, you know, it's a, it's a very real thing in those sizes of clothes. But you know what, your mind your, your inner mean girl just tells you like, I'll hold something up. And I'm like, man, this is not going to fit. This is so small. Mm -hmm. Like these pants I'm wearing are size two. And it's like, you know, like I'll see something. I'm like, that's not going to fit. And then I'll put it on and it fits. And and then I tell myself, oh, it's just because it was stretchy. That's why it fit. Or I cannot believe I have lost that much weight. I think a lot of us fight that body dysmorphia skinny people have that too. My husband has that he's in the gym and he's exercising no matter how hard his body gets. He's like, no, I still need to work on this. I'm still need to work. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. The truth is he's already there. 
he's yeah. already there, but he don't even know he's there. So I think we all have that for sure. Whether it's obesity or, you know, whatever, you know, we all have those body dysmorphia that we struggle with. Your wife said you were quiet. So you're super quiet. You're a quiet person. Are you an introvert? Yes. See, I'm an extrovert. Yeah, I'm fairly, she's very extroverted. I'm fairly introverted, which is actually a super good match, actually. Yeah. Um, in marriage and in life and in business as well, actually, as it turns out. Yeah. Um, I'm fairly quiet. Like I've, I've gotten more comfortable doing these things kind of over the years. Um, and it's interesting because in my, in my personal life, I'm more introverted, but in my professional life, talking with patients, being in the hospital, being in the operating room, that's kind of where I feel the most comfortable. So I'm much more kind of extroverted in, in those situations than I am. And let's say, I don't know, you know, Super Bowl party somewhere or some sort of like function that we're going mm -hmm. to. I just, I just feel more comfortable in, in the hospital and in, in my office with the patients than I do, you know, other places in life. So it's, it's super interesting actually. Yeah. Doing what, doing what you love, doing the mm -hmm. things that you love to do. Yeah. I think that that one-on-one -on -one is more, you know, meaningful for you. Yeah. I than think so. a big group yeah. and and so that, that's why I do all my, pretty much all of my consultations are like one-on-one -on -one consultations. Cause I just like meeting with the patients and getting to know them, hearing their story, hearing what's important to them, you know, getting to know their personality. Um, well, you're an amazing doctor. Everybody loves you. <laughs> Everybody really does love you and they love Marty. And I think he's adorable and he's just the cutest little thing. He's at the forefront for you. He's yeah <laughs> he's that extrovert he's making it happen he's like getting oh, out there yeah. he loves him and out and about he loves meeting people getting hugs getting love he's just getting treats he's just all about it i'm excited everybody's super excited i wanted to meet with you and have an episode and then promote it for the dallas event i'm sure she's already telling your patients and promoting it in the office and stuff. And so I'm super excited. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, those things are great just to kind of like meet people in person and sort of like a like a different venue that's not the office or the mm -hmm. hospital, just mm -hmm. to know people on a more personal level. It's like, it, it's super fun for everybody, me, me included and all the patients. Yeah. And too, we have a really great inspirational story. We're talking to Tiffany with Life After Fat Pants podcast. Yeah. And she lost like 300 pounds and it was like really quick. Yeah. Like spectacular. Amazing. She's so amazing. And so mm -hmm. she's going to be there. And so I'm super excited. Joanna's going to be there. We're super excited. Stir people up, say, buy your tickets, buy your tickets. What's the typical questions people ask you? A really, give me a good question. When can I go back to work? When can I have sex? What's the pain going to be like? all super common questions. Okay. So after somebody has bariatric surgery, when can they have sex again? Three well, months? Is it three months? It <laughs> <laughs> might make a lot of people either happy or mad. Yeah. <laughs> if if you're trying to get out of sex, <laughs> ask your doctor to write you a note saying you cannot have sex for three months. <laughs> no. Well, what's a typically timeline? So I, I say, you know, like most other things, <laughs> that's um, that's at your comfort level. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever you feel up to it um, and it doesn't cause you any trouble, um, then that's perfectly fine with me. It's funny, I've had, had a few patients over the years whose spouse didn't believe them that that was my answer. They So they would have me write it on a prescription pad, oh, okay to have sex. <laughs> Oh, because the husbands didn't want to touch them because they didn't want to hurt them. That is so sweet, though. You know it like super is. It's yeah, super that's so funny. sweet. I was like, sure, I'll write down a prescription pad for you. So when can people go back to work after bariatric surgery? 
Sort of same answer. I don't really have any hard and fast rules about you can't go back to work. Um, I mean, certainly you can't have do super heavy physical activity. You know, you can really make your incision sore or hurt something or maybe get a little hernia. Um, but if, uh, you know, for, for routine job type of things, you know, people can go back when they feel up to it. The average is about a week or so, but that's very dependent on, you know, when people want to go back to work. I mean, people who own their own business, you know, they're selling real estate, something like that. I mean, they'll be on the phone the night of surgery or sending out work emails and things like that uh, really right away, or just take like, you know, a couple, maybe a weekend off before they get back, especially when people are working at home these days. That, that's super common. But uh, about a week is kind of average. Some people take more than that. What happens if somebody doesn't drink water at all or has a really hard time drinking water? And Will they not lose weight? Well, they're going to get dehydrated, first of all, and not feel well. And so that's that's not good. So that's why we, yeah, we try and tell people sip, 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 sip all day long to kind of keep your fluids up. Um, and it does affect your weight loss. If, you, if your body's not happy, if it's not getting the fluids that it needs, the protein, you know, the sleep that it needs, then it makes it more difficult to lose the weight that you want. Yeah, I have a hard time sleeping. I've tried it when I try to use some sleep aids, it puts me to sleep, but I'll wake up like three, three hours later. Like it doesn't keep me asleep all night. Sleeping is really hard for me. Yeah. Has it always been that way? I don't know. I think, well, Doug's gone now. And so I'm by myself, which that's really hard at nighttime is really hard. Cause I'm by myself. You know, I can stay busy all day, but when you climb in bed at night and you expect your partner to be there and he's not there and you're alone that's when it hits you like oh my god I'm alone you know so I think that's some of my struggle I don't know I think it's the hormone imbalance that shift because when I take my progesterone progesterone how do you say it progesterone progesterone Mm -hmm. okay when I take that at night it conks me like I'm out like I'm gone when I take my I take two of them uh it puts me to sleep yeah I think that, and at nighttime when I want to cheat, my new favorite thing, and this sounds so stupid, but I'll do two things. One, I'm one of those bad patients that I eat and drink at the same time. Is that okay? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I'm in trouble. Especially for you, because you're having some issues. Um, That that can be a big reason, because if you drink on top of food that you've already eaten, there may not be enough room. So then you're going to... Feel bad and start coming back up on you. Well, I drink that Fairlife strawberry shake, and then I'll have a couple of bites of banana, like a banana, a soft banana. Man, it is so good. It's like <laughs> dessert. Or my new favorite thing, and I feel like I'm cheating. And you can try this. I'll dip my Procare dark chocolate, the chocolate bar, mm-hmm. inside of my American Dream nut butter. I'll just dip it and pull Aww. it. Up. And man, that tastes like a treat. But I can only have a little bit because if I eat too much, does the acid reflux happen more if you eat too much or it doesn't matter how much food? Yeah, certainly if you're overeating, that can certainly cause reflux for sure. So I try to be careful and not, so I can eat like half of the chocolate bar and then the chocolate, the, the peanut butter that's on it. And then I can have like two bites of banana with a little bit of the strawberry banana shake, which is so good. So I know I'm trying, I'm trying. It's just really hard. Hopefully we'll get approved for my surgery. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't be too much longer before we hear back. Okay. Is there anything I need to be doing in preparation for my revision surgery? Mm, right now, just uh, pay, pay a lot of attention to your protein. Make sure you're hitting your protein goals, 60, 70 a day. It's just going to be um, getting you ready to heal. And also, you know, taking your prescribed vitamins. So those levels are, are, are good going into surgery. Do you recommend the chewables or do you recommend the patch? Like, what do you recommend to your patients? I think, I think that the patch is, is, is fine. Um, you know, the patch has not been recommended by our big society, but I've had whole bunches of patients who do the patch and have not gotten into particular vitamin trouble with it. So I think that's okay. Usually I say, you know, a, a good bariatric vitamin in the form that does the best with your tummy, you know, whether it be 
chewable, gummy, dissolvable, pixie stick, liquid, you know, patches are okay too. You know, just sort of try them out and see which one works the best for you. Well, again, I think I'm that 5% because the patch did not work for me. I cannot get my vitamin D up and I cannot get my iron up. Like I've, I just bought orange juice today to when I take my iron pill, I'm going to drink it with orange juice because I don't have any vitamin C here and I'm not getting enough and my hormones are not lined up. I stopped doing the patches. And so I do the ProCare chewable. It's, it tastes like a sweet tart. Yeah. Yeah. What vitamins do you take, Mr. Crippens? <laughs> the real answer? I have no idea. Heather gives me all my pills at night and I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> she just here, you take it. See, that's a good wife. Yeah. It's, it's basically whatever is um, in the biggest bottle at Costco. So sometimes I take a lady vitamin or prenatal. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I take a vitamin for older dudes. It all depends. Oh, man. Should I take something stronger because I'm 50 now? No, no, just your, your regular bariatric uh, regimen should be should be fine, except for those things. Like if your iron is low or your D is low, you need extra of those. Um, yeah. But just your regular, you know, recommended. Well, I take the calcium too. like nobody's business because they have they have 500 milligrams of calcium, but they also have 500 IU of vitamin D. Yeah, that's good. So I take three of those a day on top of my regular multivitamin. Good. But okay. Is your wife there? No. Man, Joe. I know. What do you like to be called? Dr. Joe, Mr. Cribbins, <laughs> A. Joseph Cribbins III, <laughs> MD. <laughs> what do you like to be called? Oh, most people just call me Joe. I mean, patients a lot of times will call me Dr. Joe. but Dr. I Joe strong preference what does marty like to be called martin you called him martin earlier i call him martin but everybody else calls him marty what's his name at home what do you call him at home marty or martin martin i like marty marty's cute wait what does your wife call him because that's the right answer marty okay then his name is marty (laughs) (laughs) the wife is correct he also answers to Corgi, though. Corgi. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about making t-shirts and putting a little Corgi dog on it. Oh, cute. I think that would be so, just for the Dallas event, I think that would be so cute. That'd be super cute. Yeah, I, we need to do that. Well, it was nice talking to you. you I can't can- wait to get my surgery and get to go in and tell her I said, send, send her my love and Marty. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on any platform that you get your podcast. And check us out at Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash fairy diaries for more exclusive content, deep dives, and info on upcoming events. Don't forget, follow us on social media. See you there.